Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Monday, June 21st, we're studying Jeremiah chapter 21, verse 11 through chapter 22, verse 10. Jeremiah is given a word from the Lord to speak to the kings in the line of David who are ruling over Judah. If they do not do justice and righteousness in the land, their house shall become a desolation. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Matt Wheatfelt. Pastor Wheatfelt serves as the Director of Admissions and the Director of the Christ Academy Program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Pastor Wheatfelt, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Thanks, Pastor Oppel. It's a great joy to be with you once again. How are things there at the seminary? What do you have going on this summer? Yeah, we're, we're super excited. Things are again uh, coming back to normal. I think the last time I was on uh, was right before our spring quarter began, and we're able to have a in-person call day service, vicarage service, uh, as well as in-person graduation. So it was great just to, to be able to celebrate uh, the accomplishments of our student, but even more so uh, the working of the Holy Spirit in the church as he sends uh, men out to become uh, pastors, to proclaim the word and bring the sacraments to his people and to send deaconesses out to share acts of mercy. So that was that was a great joy. But uh, it, just starting this week, we've got our Christ Academy High School program going on for the next two weeks. And then this fall, uh, the plan is again to kind of return back to normal with our uh, confirmation, uh, Christ Academy confirmation retreat, September 24th through 26th. Our prayerfully consider visit uh, October 14th through 16th, and our Christ Academy College for co- our college students on October 29th through the 31st. And uh, more information on all of those programs uh, can be seen uh, at our website at www.ctsfw.edu. And uh, yeah, we we'll look forward to uh, having conversations with folks as they consider the possibilities of service in Christ Church. With, with Christ Academy for the high school students happening right now, can you give us just a, a, a brief feel for what that time is like there during that event? Absolutely. Uh, Christ Academy is really one of the crown gems of our seminary. We're just so thrilled to be able to walk with high school students from all over the country and really all over the world as they uh, discern possible service in Christ Church. What they experience is a full seminary experience. They're on our campus for two weeks, sitting in uh, the classroom, yes, sitting uh, with their friends and meeting people and uh, getting a chance to know and learn uh, of other young Lutherans uh, in our church body and throughout the world. But also, and most importantly, they're there with us in worship as the seminary gathers every day. Uh, So our Christ Academy uh, group gathers also with our seminary, but outside of our seminary as they develop good, a good prayer life, good uh, prayer habits, 
and uh, join uh, their prayers with with the prayers of the seminary and the church at large. So it's a wonderful experience for folks who uh, have have high school students that might be interested in, and uh, or you think that they should uh, take a look at possible service in Christ Church. Uh, this experience is is, go, is going on right now, but it was also going to be going on next summer as well. And uh, we'd look forward to having a conversation with them. The date of next year's academy is on our our website as well. So please take a look at that, especially if uh, you know a young person who should consider church work. Uh, they need your encouragement. They need your support. And uh, they, they need to know that uh, you're thinking of them and that uh, you think that uh, this holy task might be something that they would be uh, good at and, and possibly qualified for as well. Yeah, I mean the the encouragement of faithful pastors and lay people is certainly a, a big a big thing when it comes to encouraging our young people to consider and to go into church work. It's such a such a huge factor. And and maybe if I can draw a slightly awkward bridge into Jeremiah, you need that kind of encouragement when you see what church workers sometimes go through. And <laughs> that's that's <laughs> Jeremiah. Jeremiah has has been placed into this ministry of prophecy by the Lord. It's not been an easy time for him, to say the least. And he finds himself here in our text in the middle of, of rather difficult preaching. So as, as we prepare to look at, again, part of chapter 21 and chapter 22 today, Pastor Wheatfelt, what kind of context can you give us about Jeremiah and his ministry as a whole, and then particularly in the verses that we're going to look at for today? Absolutely. So Jeremiah... Like you said, Pastor Oppel, his ministry is not an easy one. And I really think that it, it gives us as uh, pastors, but also as uh, potential ministers uh, in the office of the holy ministry, a good kind of round look at, at how ministry can be. It's not everything that ministry is, but there are days when the word of the Lord that you are called to bring that day is a word of condemnation, is a word of law. And it, that is an important word to bring uh, to Christ's people. We know God's, as, as we as, uh, as, as Lutherans, we understand that, that God's word is divided into law and gospel. Uh, but we also should, we also need to understand that, that, that when we approach things like this, that we, we should see them for what, what they are and, what, and uh, that these are words of law that we're going to see today. Uh, that 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 are hard, hard for hard for um, Jeremiah to preach, hard for the people to hear, and really something hard for us to see. The law, when it hits us between the eyes, is scary. The it it, it is condemning. Uh, it is it is a, a word that is against us as sinners. However, that law also corrects us. It shows us the path. It shows us who we are and that without a savior, we would be uh, condemned to hell for for our sins and for our original sin as well. So uh, it, it's a good it's a good thing that we have before us today. Jeremiah really has three purposes in regard to uh, what, what 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 is written for us today uh, in the book of Jeremiah. He's here to call Ju- Judah to repentance. But he's also here to announce the Babylonian exile. That's part of the whole, that the people of Israel have strayed. They've gone away from the Lord. And the Lord is going to use the Babylonians uh, in order to correct them. And then finally, he's going to prophesy in, 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 in the way of the gospel. Then uh, the pro- he's going to prophesy about a new covenant that the Lord is going to build 
between Israel and himself and uh, how, how the Lord is the one that brings this to fruition. He takes care of them. And even in the midst of their sorrow and heartache, uh, based off of uh, their rebellion and then his punishment of their sin, uh, he is the one to bring all things to right. So uh, it, some themes, you know, I think the basic theme is God takes what is old and what is corrupt and makes it new again. And uh, that's, uh, that's the theme for the whole of Jeremiah. He, he brings newness uh, throughout the whole. So as we uh, approach uh, our, our, our look at chapter 21 and 22 today, previous to this reading, um, what we have right before this is uh, the, the prophet proclaiming and prophesying of the fall of Jerusalem uh, to the, in the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, ultimately concluding then with a prophecy that is uh, for the house of David, uh, for uh, the children of Israel, for the king of Judah, who is sitting, and we'll see this in the text, who's sitting on the throne of David. And uh, it's it's very important to see uh, this. Now we're you know in divided kingdom mode, but this the the the, the king of Judah sitting on on the throne and. Uh, is being prophesied uh, against and being called to repentance because of the wickedness of their actions and the cold-heartedness to each other and to the Lord and to their loss of who their Lord is and what he has done for them. I mean, yesterday's text was very striking when Jeremiah was given to tell Zedekiah particularly that Nebuchadnezzar is not going away. In fact, he's going to conquer Jerusalem, and the mm-hmm. only way out is for you to surrender to him. That's the only way that anyone's going to live. And I think what what it seems to be happening in today's text is it's a, a bit of a a step back to get a bigger picture. We're going to be addressing, you know, the house of David here, not just Zedekiah particularly, but almost like a, how did we get here? How, how did we get to the point where Jeremiah has to tell Zedekiah, you're done for? Yeah. What was it that the kings of Judah, that the house of David had lost, had forgotten, had failed to do? That's going to be, I think, what's going to be the thrust of the the text for today, speaking broadly to the kings of Judah in this text. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, it just, and then it's also going to, you know, it also speaks uh, to us as well as, uh, you know, we have, we have faithless moments and we have faithless times, uh, but that this law is here, the law of the Lord is here to bring us back to rights, to show us our sins um, so that the gospel may show us our savior and uh, it's, it, I think that's just so, so important. And uh, oftentimes, you know, I, if I may, just a little bit more on, you know, kind of law and gospel, we get, the, we get in this mindset that the law is bad and the gospel is good. But the, the law is good. The law is good and it's right. And its actions, its workings is good for you and for me. And uh, we shouldn't lose track of that. We shouldn't fall into some t- sort of, uh, now we can talk more at the end about this too, but we shouldn't fall into antinomianism. That is uh, that it, a rejection of the law and an overemphasis of the gospel. Um, we shouldn't fall into that um, just because the law is painful as it should be for the person who needs to hear the law, uh, that needs to be condemned of their sins and have their sins condemned in order that they uh, may feel, as, as Walter would say, experience the full sweetness of the gospel. 
So uh, yeah, it's, it's just yeah, it's it, it'd be in, it's interesting as we just plow right through uh, the text. That's right, and and this is going to be basically law, but. As you said, he is preparing us for the gospel, which will come in a a chapter or two, and we'll talk more about that later. Let's take a look at the text. We're beginning in Jeremiah 21, verse 11. And to the house of the king of Judah say, Hear the word of the Lord, O house of David. Thus says the Lord, Execute justice in the morning, and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed, lest my wrath go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it because of your evil deeds. Behold, I am against you, O inhabitant of the valley, O rock of the plain, declares the Lord. You who say, who shall come down against us or who shall enter our habitations? I will punish you according to the fruit of your deeds, declares the Lord. I will kindle a fire in her forest and it shall devour all that is around her. Thus says the Lord, Go down to the house of the king of Judah and speak there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah, who sits on the throne of David, you and your servants and your people who enter these gates. Thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed and do no wrong or violence to the resident alien, the fatherless and the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. For if you will indeed obey this word, then there shall enter the gates of this house kings who sit on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, they and their servants and their people. But if you will not obey these words, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that this house shall become a desolation. For thus says the Lord concerning the house of the king of Judah, you are like Gilead to me, like the summit of Lebanon. Yet surely I will make you a desert, an uninhabited city. I will prepare destroyers against you, each with his weapons, and they shall cut down your choicest cedars and cast them into the fire. And many nations will pass by this city, and every man will say to his neighbor, Why has the Lord dealt thus with this great city? And they will answer, Because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God and worshipped other gods and served them. Weep not for him who is dead, nor grieve for him, but weep bitterly for him who goes away, for he shall return no more to see his native land. That's our text for today, Jeremiah 21, verse 11 through 22, verse 10. Pastor Weefeld, the text begins, very familiar language here. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of David. This is, again, Jeremiah has given a specific word to preach to the house of David. Takes in the beginning of this text. Absolutely. So, um, the, the Lord, uh, J- Jeremiah is given, as you said, the specific word to speak to the house of David, uh, that ex- to execute justice in the morning. That is do justice is, is something that needs to be served immediately for it to, uh, to, that it needs to be done swiftly and, um, in order swiftly in order to not let the uh, wounds fester to not let injustice linger longer than it uh, it, it should be and uh, you know I think you think of uh, I whenever as I was reading this I was thinking towards uh, the good old spaghetti westerns how uh, you might have a, a town that's overrun by uh, by by the the bad guys the criminals but what happens someone comes in, and challenges them and brings what is unjust to 
its full justice. And that happens how that it happens swiftly, that happens quickly, uh, that the that the wound is it's cleaned out and is allowed is allowed to heal. And once that happens, once the wound is cleaned out, everything comes back to normal. The the equilibrium is rebalanced, and and all all becomes all becomes right. And uh, so yeah, that so that uh, the, the as, as the Lord as the Lord continues to proclaim through uh, the the prophet to deliver from the hand of the oppressor he who has been robbed. Uh, lest the lest my wrath, that's the wrath of the Lord, that the Lord sees the injustice and brings uh, his anger and his wrath because our Lord is a Lord of justice. Our Lord is a Lord of righteousness. And so whenever uh, injustice uh, happens, whenever the unrighteous uh, come into uh, the place of, of, of the righteous, the, that, that, that stands against who the Lord is and what he has given. And uh, how he has created um, everything to be, and so it brings out his wrath. Why? Because our Lord is is just. Our Lord is true, and our Lord can't let the lie uh, stand. Uh, whether that be the lie of injustice, the lie of unrighteousness, uh, wh- whatever that lie might be, it all boils down. All sin boils down to j- simply lying against the Lord. Uh, lying against what he has said and who he is. And I think the commandments lay that out very well. Um, when the Lord, you know, whether it be you shall have no other gods, uh, what does that actually mean? That means that you are lying about who your God is and who instead you're taking for yourself another God uh, if you're breaking this commandment, uh, or if you're misusing the name of the Lord your God, what are you saying? You're saying that it is you who have power over His name instead of Him having power over your name uh, and over who you are. You're trying to take. You're trying to say you have the power. Uh, the third commandment: uh, you, you should remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Um, that is, uh, you are you're lying as to what the Lord says about you that and about Him that He gives you a Sabbath rest, just like He gave uh, your your parents Adam and Eve and took for Himself a Sabbath rest as well, uh, and commands all to rest uh, from from their labors. You're saying that you're God and you choose when you work and when you don't work, when you remember him and when you don't remember him, and that you're the one who has the power here, but that's not so. The, all sin ultimately boils down to lying against who the Lord is and what he says about you. And so here uh, in, in, in this text, uh, you know, it, it, the Lord's wrath is against the oppressor, is against those who have robbed. Why? Because the oppressor is the one who says, I am in power here. You have no power here, but I, I not only have I not only have power, but I take what is yours and make it mine. Same with the robber. I take what is yours and I say it is mine. That is a lie. And the Lord's anger is kindled against that. So so much so that it is, I like I like how the, the prophet says it, it burns. Uh, with no one to quench it, uh, that 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 the wrath of the Lord is uh, is a wrath that burns, um, not uh, not out of the passions, but out of truth, out of uh, out of out of uh, the fact that something ha- is wrong here, and that wrong must be made right. 
And it burns because, as the text concludes, that was this little quote here, because of your evil deeds. He's speaking the word against uh, the king of Judah, uh, in the, in, uh, against the lie that he has propagated, uh, that he, that they, the children of Israel are not the children of Israel, but on the, uh, are, the, are the children, essentially are the children of man, are the children of men, are children of this world. And uh, that they've they've shunned who they really are. They've lied about who they are. They're no longer children of Israel, but they are children of of this world. So, yeah, those are some initial thoughts. Well, and I think the the title that's given here that he's speaking to the house of the king of Judah to the house of David that broader way of speaking ties in with this idea of remembering who you are, remembering who God is first and foremost, because this seems to be the problem that the people of Judah are having this entire time during Jeremiah's ministry is that they're they're taking comfort in all the outward things. So there's the temple, we're okay. There's Jerusalem, we're okay. There's the line of David, the the son from David's own loins who's sitting on the throne, we're okay. To the point that even the kings think that they're, if I can say this way, above the law, above the mm-hmm. law of God. And and here the Lord is calling that line, this house of David, back to that law with that word justice. You know, execute justice in the morning. Do what my law says. Don't think you're above that. And and there's this sort of false confidence that's happening and, and the Lord here has to remind the kings, this house of David, what their job description really is and put them back in their place. And then if they don't go back into their place, well, what's what's left but the judgment that Jeremiah speaks? Yeah, it, it, there's nothing left other than, you know, the, the Lord is pulling back from what he has what who what what he has promised uh, because of the unfaithfulness of of the line uh, they you know they in many ways they think like they're some sort of um, superhuman there's some sort of and the, the thing that they've lost track of and I think something that David um, in in his sin with Bathsheba and in the subsequent kings lose track of as well is it's not them that got themselves there it's not them that. Uh, have allowed for them to be the the king. It is the Lord. And when we lose track of who the Lord is and what he does for us, that it, it, it ultimately causes all things to run amok for us. Uh, when we lose track of, of who we are and who our Lord is, then things go bad and go bad quickly for us because we have a false sense of security that it, and a false sense of uh, the fact that uh, you know we we are in desperate need uh, of of a savior of one who who not only saves us but even more so one who uh, carries us on day after day after day that every day that we are here is a gift from God and uh, it can be dashed away very quickly uh, so yeah it's it's it we we shouldn't prop ourselves up under our under our own workings but know that everything that we have whether uh, whether it be uh, our stuff our families um, our our positions our uh, our daily bread everything is a gift from god yeah, I mean, it does seem that the people of Judah, and particularly here the kings, have forgotten precisely that, which I think is what's going on in verses 13 and 14, where the Lord says, I'm, I'm against you, inhabitant of the valley, rock of the plain. You who say this, and this is the key, 
who's going to come down against us or enter our habitations? It, it yeah. seems that <laughs> the people of Jerusalem, and particularly led by the king from the line of David, are saying, we are invulnerable here. Everything's going to be okay as long as we're here in Jerusalem. And and to their question, who can who will come down against us? Well, the Lord answers, and he says, I will. It's me. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's frightening, but it's it's what the people need to hear. It's that that reminder of who's God and who's not. Exactly, and I think it's it's so it's so poignantly put. Like they they forget. Oh wait, we are the children of God. We He is the one who is caring for us. And when you lose again, when you lose track of that, everything goes everything goes awry. Everything goes amok. And uh, things go very, very bad very quickly. And, uh, you know, the Lord isn't a bully here. The Lord isn't using this simply to pick on the children of Israel. The Lord is using this as a teaching opportunity. The Lord is using this as a corrective opportunity to bring the children back uh, to uh, where they should be, especially the kings, where they should be in, in their mindset. And he uses uh, Babylon as that place in order to help them be corrected in order that they, I mean, even if they lose this life, even if we lose this life, this mortal life, we still will have uh, the, um, the life immortal uh, to be gained. And we should not fear as uh, uh, we should not fear what, uh, as our Lord says, what uh, rust and moth, can destroy, but we should fear the one who ultimately can destroy the soul and uh, that and destroy the soul in the fires of hell. And it's the Lord who makes that, that judgment when he uses the law to correct us, when he uses the law to uh, cause us to shapen up, he is using the law in order to, um, to, to refine us and to help us and to guide us and to show us our sins uh, in order that uh, those sins um, may be reconciled to him. Uh, Ultimately, they are through Christ on the cross, uh, but they also uh, reconcile to one another. Yeah, this preaching of the law from Jeremiah is quite necessary for his hearers then and for us still today. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Sharp Iron here on KFUO, talking Jeremiah 21 and 22 with Pastor Matt Wheatfelt. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Since 1978, Lutheran Church Extension Fund has had the humble privilege of supporting Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Ministries and her workers. Thanks to faithful investors, LCEF has provided thousands of church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations with the low-cost loans and resources they need to reach more people with the saving name of Christ. To learn more, visit lcef.org or call 800-843-5233, 800-843-5233. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Monday, June 21st. We're studying Jeremiah chapter 21, verse 11 through chapter 22, verse 10 with Pastor Matt Wheatfelt. He's the director of admissions and the director of the Christ Academy program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Pastor, we felt prior to the break, we left off at the beginning of chapter 22. Again, Jeremiah is given a word from the Lord, and he's specifically told where to go. We've seen this happen previously, where the Lord sends Jeremiah 
to a particular place. For example, he goes to the temple in chapter seven, the, the place where the sin is happening. That's where Jeremiah is sent to preach. Here, the place is, or the person is, the king of Judah sitting on the throne of David. That's that's quite the sight, isn't it? To picture the prophet standing before the king on his throne. I mean, you were talking earlier about Jeremiah and his experience of ministry. No doubt that had to be a pretty intimidating spot to be in. Absolutely. I mean, could you imagine having to go, not only having to go and stand uh, before before the king, uh, but to stand before the king on his throne when he is in his full power? None of this has happened yet. Uh, none of the things that are being prophesied against uh, the children of Israel and against the king of the king are have happened yet to have to go and stand in front of uh, the king and say repent. Um, that's 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 tough. That's scary. It's necessary uh, necessary for uh, Jeremiah to follow the words of the Lord, but necessary necessary even more so for the salvation of and the saving of souls of the people. And it's not easy. The the, the pastoral task is not easy. Uh, and we're called uh, on occasion to have to speak truth to power. Um, I know that that, 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 that phrase is, has, has so many connotations nowadays, uh, but I think, I mean, you think, you think of people like Moses uh, and, and, and uh, you think of, you think of uh, the other prophets and even people, even, even, even uh, the person uh, like St. Paul who ultimately uh, spoke, you know, to, to, to Caesar himself um, they, this is not an easy task. However, it's a necessary task in order to allow for Christ's word, both the Old and New Testament. Christ is throughout it all. The, the order, in order for Christ's word, his message of salvation to be shared with all people and so that the individual may be saved. Well, and I'm just thinking about this scene where Jeremiah is standing in front of the king on his throne. How, how could he do that? It's not by his own reason or strength to pick up the catechism's language, but rather it is by the, the promise of the Lord. And back in Jeremiah's call, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 10, the Lord promised Jeremiah, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms. And, and what's happening here at the beginning of chapter 22 is a, quite a literal picture of that that Jeremiah stands there in front of the king on his throne, not based on Jeremiah's own strength or power, but on the authority that comes from the word of the Lord that Jeremiah has been given to preach. And, and that still is true for pastors and for any Christian who speaks the word of God today and is so important as we stand in those places confessing the word of God to know that this is God's word, not mine. It's his authority, not mine. And that's the only thing that can help us to even stand in such a position at all. Absolutely. And there's great comfort in that, knowing that it is the Lord who is actually, uh, who is ca calling you to this moment, the Lord who is carrying you through this moment. It is a humbling experience as well. But regardless of what happens uh, based upon uh, the, e the end result of this task, knowing that you've done the right thing, knowing that you have spoken the word of the Lord, spoken the word of truth, and uh, whether that be uh, to your benefit or to your detriment, knowing that ultimately it is the Lord who is, uh, who is using you now as his vessel to get this message out to his people and out to those uh, people who are in need of hearing it. And Jeremiah's word is not an easy one. It's not an easy task. It's not an easy word. It's a word that 
it is, is going to hurt uh, and it's going to hurt, it's going to uh, and, and it's going to scare the people as it should. The, the, the law does terrify, terrifies the sinful heart um, and it, it should terrify the sinful heart. Uh, it is when um, the law does not terrify, when the law is mocked and scoffed at and laughed at and ridiculed uh, that we there is a true problem. But when the but the law as it is received by the uh, sinner who acknowledges his sin, it terrifies, uh, and that allows then for the gospel, the sweetness of the gospel, uh, to to be fully realized, fully experienced. That their sin is fully and finally forgiven. And Jeremiah will get there in the coming chapter, but right here, <laughs> he has this word of law to preach to the king and then to those who are around him in the hearing. And the word that, that God gives to Jeremiah to speak to the king in the line of David is to do justice and righteousness, which as, as you look at what follows, it seems that justice and righteousness is really the summary. And then everything else that follows is, is kind of a spelling out of what that looks like in the king's yeah. job description. Absolutely. Everything. Uh, it's, it's do, do this. I mean, you look, you see at the beginning um, or at the beginning of, of the words that we just talked about back in 12, when he's talking about that to the house of, of David, execute justice. Now he switches and speaks specifically to and at the king himself uh, in, in order to say, do justice and righteousness deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed he's reiterating that word again not so that the word not only um, is received by the people but it's received by the leader of the people the one who is to uphold this word the one who is to take care of this word the one to who is here to ensure that this word is uh, observed in in way of the kingdom of the left, that is in the, the 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 king, the earthly kingdom uh, that the Lord has given, and the, his, his earthly ambassador uh, that he gives to us, whether that be uh, the king of the king of Judah, uh, the uh, the king, uh, or or our, in our present day, our our, our government uh, and and all other righteous and godly governments. Um, you know, as they are acting in, in in authority on on the Lord's behalf, He is the one that gives them to us. And uh, yeah, being earthly institutions, they are all uh, founded and uh, and 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 have uh, sin and uh, sinful people and sinners and make sinful decisions. Uh, but this is something you know, as, as as the Lord has called Jeremiah to speak truth to power. Now He He calls us to speak truth to power, where injustice and unrighteousness uh, begin to flourish in the spaces in our day and with those ambassadors uh, that the Lord has given to us in our government as well. Mm, right. And both of those words, justice and righteousness, we have to make sure that we're letting the Lord be the one to define what those terms mean Absolutely. and what they look like, which is what, what we get here in these verses. You know, and again, some of this fits in very nicely with what comes in chapter 21 as well, this matter of delivering from the hand of the oppressor again and the, the matter of the robber, doing no wrong or violence, particularly to those most vulnerable, the, mm -hmm. the resident alien or sometimes the sojourner the fatherless, sometimes the orphan and the widow, that that triad of people often shows up in the Old Testament as those who are in need of particular care. And it is the king who is to be the leader within that, setting the example for the people of Israel as a whole. 
Absolutely. Yeah. They, these are, these are the most vulnerable and in many ways they're the most vulnerable of our day still to today. The, the main, the person who does not have his own homeland, the resident alien, the, the person who does not have, uh, the, the, his father and potentially even, uh, his, his mother, uh, his, as the, with the, with the fatherless, uh, the one who, one who cannot take care of the father or be taken care of by the father. And, and likewise with the widow, one who cannot be taken care of, uh, by her husband, uh, by, by her, by the one who has, uh, has, has been, uh, connected to her in one flesh through the, through the, uh, set, through the, through holy matrimony. And, uh, so, it, it, these three, and then going on, and, and he, he not only lays out these three as 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 is laid out in the law of of, of the Lord throughout uh, throughout uh, their time, the children of Israel's ex- time uh, uh, during uh, in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, uh, as they sojourn uh, those the forty years with with Moses, but then he also lays out another one, or nor shed in nor shed innocent blood in this place that is uh, in, in, this is a holy land this is a land that the lord has given to his children uh, this is this is a land that is that, that justice and righteousness are to flourish and when these when this group when this uh, Tri- trifecta of folks is is is, is sought after and and, and uh, admonished and uh, done evil to or innocent blood is shed. Then the, the 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 what this place is to be for is not in its full fruition. It's not in its fullness. Uh, but this place is a place that is a gift from the Lord, and they are as child as the children of the Lord. They are gifted to be his children as well. And that's who, that's who he has created them to be. And he also promises that if they do these things, then it will go well with them. But if they don't, it won't go well with them. What are the, what are the two possible results that can come in verses four and five? Absolutely. So as, as they obey uh, the word of the Lord, they shall enter the gates of the house of the king and sit on the throne of David to be to remain in power, uh, not power because of anything that they've done, but because it's a gift from the Lord to as the text continues on to uh, riding in the chariots and horses and uh, and they they and their people. Uh, that th- that is that they can, will continue to be empowered. They will continue to be gifted to by the Lord. They will continue. It will everything will be as it is should be. All things come back to rights because of what the Lord has given uh, and what the Lord has uh, has called them to be. But then, if they don't, it is the Lord who both giveth and taketh away. Uh, and so if, if uh, as they have sinned against the people and against the Lord himself, uh, uh, then in, uh, in verse five, not to obey, the Lord swears by himself, declares the Lord. The Lord, the most powerful swears, uses his own name and uses his own name rightly against the people. He swears uh, against the king and against the people uh, that they uh, that, that the house shall be desolation, that there they will be no more, that he will bring it all to ruin and that he will uh, cause judgment on them and on their people as well. So it's it's a it's a full it's the fullness. It's either in, in fulfilling the word of the Lord, the Lord gives. 
Uh, not because we deserve it, not because he's trying to pat us on the back for doing what is right, but because it's the natural it's a natural consequence uh, for for to, for taking the Lord at His word and receiving His gifts. Likewise, the Lord uh, judges because it's the natural consequence for going against the word of the Lord. It's the it's the natural thing in order uh, because it's natural thing because. It, it is opposite of what the Lord gives. It's just like you. So if yeah, the, it's just like a mother who who says, uh, you know, if you if you uh, if you uh, brush your teeth uh, to her child, brush your teeth, and you won't get any cavities. Then that, if you brush your teeth, then you don't get cavities. If you don't brush your teeth, there's the, oh, it, you 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 very well could get cavities because that's the natural consequence. Uh, or if uh, eating healthy or any sort any number of things, dr- wearing a seatbelt while you drive. Yeah, you can. You can you can chance it and not and be fine for a while, but then the, it comes just the one time when it doesn't work out and it all comes to naught. It ultimately it brings one to desolation. Hmm. That word that he speaks at the end of verse five about this house becoming a desolation must have been a a pretty big shocker for the king sitting there on his throne and really for all the people. When you think about, I mean, what that would have entailed, they they know the promise that God made to David that he would have a king on the throne of Israel forever. How can God be true and still say something like that? Well, that's where Jeremiah, and I don't want to steal someone else's thunder, but that is where Jeremiah is setting the stage for what's coming in chapter 23 about the righteous branch for the house of David, where where this line has failed, Zedekiah you know, being the last king in the line of David, as we saw in yesterday's text, where that fails, God will bring success and he will do it through the one who is in the line of David the righteous branch, Jesus Christ. So I just, to, you know, that's, that's coming. That is coming. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's coming and it, it's going to be great and fruitful. And uh, it's going to, it, it's going to be, uh, you know, just something that is giving and forgiving and uh, beautiful to live in. But now is the hard word. Now is the word that uh, calls sin what it is and how, how we are to, uh, yeah, how it is how it is to to go down because of of the sin of of the king and his people. So in in verse six, then the Lord tells the king of Judah, "This house, you're like Gilead, like the summit of Lebanon." In other words, I I love you. This is I do love you, but I'm going to do this to you. This discipline is coming. That's the word that that Jeremiah continues to preach. Absolutely. Yeah, he continues to preach it, and he he continues to. Uh, just lay out uh, what what it is. You are you are like Gilead to me, like like the summit of Lebanon. Uh, yet surely I will make you a desert and inhabited city. Uh, so you you are great. You are great, uh, and you look great. But however, I will lay waste to you because of the sin that you have committed. And continuing on, I will prepare destroyers against you, each with his weapon. And they will, they will, they shall cut down your choice cedar and cast them into the fire. So not only uh, will will, will de- desolation come, but utter desolation. Uh, it, it's going to, they're going to be ransacked, and everything that is uh, that is good among them is going to to be, I mean, frankly, destroyed. Um, and it, it's all going to be for naught. The building up that they thought they did with their own hands is going to be waste be laid waste to by the Lord and by uh, the people that the Lord uh, is has uh, and uses uh, on his behalf. In, in verses eight and nine, the prophet says that 
what happens in Jerusalem is going to be seen by others, and they're going to ask what's going on, and there's going to be an answer given. What What's happening there in verses 8 and 9 with this wondering of the nations and the answer that's given? So the Lord, the, 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 the nations have seen the children of Israel as the Lord has carried them along and how he, as they entered into the as they entered into the promised land, how it was the seemingly ragtag group of people laid waste to many powerful nations. But now the Lord is the, and how their, how their empire uh, has, has grown from this small, small thing through David to great and Solomon to their temples, to their achievements, all, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but now the, now um, all of that is going to be for naught. All of that is going to be laid aside and laid waste too. So, you know, in questioning, it's like, whoa, what, what, weren't these a great people? What has happened uh, to them? And what, I mean, he's, he's announcing uh, the judgment that, that not only is it going to be a judgment um, for them and a judgment of them, but it's going to be a, a judgment that even the people around them um, will see and in part experience because of what they what they have done their lawlessness and their 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 rejecting of him. Uh, that those two verses remind me of the way that Moses interceded for the people of Israel in the book of Exodus when the Lord wanted to destroy them after the golden calf incident and, and mm-hmm. Moses said to the Lord you know if you do that then the nations are going to wonder why did you bring them out of the out of slavery in Egypt just to kill them? And and here, I think it's a it's a similar line or a similar line of thinking that the Lord in in this back and forth between the nations and the answer that's given is a confession of who He is. That the nations need to see why did this happen? It's not because the Lord was unfaithful, but it's because His people were unfaithful, and so it becomes a, a matter of confessing who the Lord is, not only to Judah and Jerusalem, but as as Jeremiah is called to be a prophet to the nations. So this destruction of Jerusalem does become a witness to all the nations about who the Lord is. Absolutely. It's a confession. It's a statement of reality. And it's a statement that sin does not go, that the Lord is righteous. The Lord is just. That sin doesn't go unchecked. That, when, 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 that there, is, um, there is always a, 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 a equilibrium, if you will, that the scales are always balanced out. And so as the children sin, so the Lord needs to continue and does punish. As the children uh, listen to the word of the Lord, those punishments are less and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, so it, it is a confession of who the Lord is and what he does, and that even his chosen they they don't get off scot free. Uh, they don't get off. They don't get a get out of jail free card or anything like that. They still have to. Uh, they still receive the punishments for their um, do, that are due in reward to them and what they deserve according to the the works of their hands. In verse ten, the last verse for our section today. The prophet has said, weep not for him who is dead. Don't grieve for him. Instead, weep bitterly for him who goes away because he's not going to come back. What's the what's happening here in this very last verse? Yeah. So ultimately, it's it, he's, he's laying out that this is not going to be some sort of short, short exile. This isn't going to be, oh, you know, I'm going to slap you on the wrist, Israel, and you're going to go away for a little bit. Um, this is going to be a long, painful exile. 
that that people are going to die uh, during, and uh, it's 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 sad. Uh, it's sad that that sin that 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 sin does cause death. I mean, sin cause sin is what causes our our death, and lo- lots of different sins cause death themselves. And uh, it's it's their sin that and the, the their leaving that is going to bring death to many, if not all, of the children uh, who who go who go away. And it's not it's not pretty. It's not fun. Uh, and it's 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 very painful for the children to have to experience as they go off into exile. That they're not returning. Um, the ones who are leaving are not going to be returning. Uh, it is the, their children's children's children that are going to be someday returning uh, from exile. Pastor Wheatfeld, we have just under five minutes here on the morning. As you think about the totality of this text, being law, how do we take this as Christians today, use it, and, and how then do we see in this text at least the preparation to receive the good news of Christ crucified and risen? Absolutely. So one of the things that struck me, you know, in preparing for the text today, oftentimes we as um, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod Lutherans, we're so we're so connected to our past, to our heritage, and to the the this uh, you know this wonderful way and, and, and par- paradigm and of looking at the text um, and how we how we see the text in relation to law and gospel. And so as we sit down with our text for today, you know, it, the, the, you're, it can cause one to ask the question, where's the gospel uh, in, in, in today's text? Well, the, the, the fact of the matter is there is no gospel in today's text. Yeah, you can infer the gospel knowing what's going to happen in chapters in chapter 24 and following where the, where the righteous branch will come forth. Uh, but um, that's not in our text for today. Nevertheless, um, you know, we have to we have to realize that this text speaks still to us. Uh, the text teaches us about the law. What is what is the law, and how does the law work? The law uh, is is as as we, we believe, teach, and confess. You know, it is a mirror. It is a curb. It is a guide. It shows us our sin. It keeps our sin and what we are able to do in this life uh, within a particular. A lane, a frame of way of, 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 of living within, but also it also guides us along the way as a, as a, as a path itself and shows us uh, what is what is good, true and right in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, oftentimes we can we, we can get into this mindset that the, that the law is somehow bad uh, and is is, 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 is a, and is against us. Um, that is, that it is always against us. The law is against us in the sense that we are sinners. And uh, if we stand before the Lord only in the way of the law, only trying to reconcile our sin for ourselves, we will surely be condemned. Uh, But the law is not solely bad. The law is not, I should say the law is not bad, period. Uh, The law is good for us. Uh, The law shows us our sins and shows us our need for a savior. And in doing that, the law uh, helps us along the way. It refines us. It it burns down uh, the dross that is uh, with us and in us that is sin. And uh, through confession and absolution, we continue to uh, you know, confess our sins, confess those things that are uh, bothering us, to confess that we are sinners. 
but then to receive the pure sweetness of, of Christ's absolution uh, in the gospel. So as we see this today, know that the law, the law is something that is that is good. The law is there for you. That is, the law is to help you along the way of the Christian life. The gospel uh, is so that you may experience the the sweetness of the gospel to its fullest. Uh, we cheapen the gospel when we don't preach the full law. We cheapen the gospel because uh, we see that, oh, everything's sunshine and roses and it's all about forgiveness. But if we don't preach the law first, why do we need forgiveness? Why is that so important? Am I not just a good human being and that's good enough? Uh, did Jesus just not maybe... Jesus came and, and shared his good news. And yeah, he, he died on the cross and rose on the, thir- on the third day. But what does that matter to me? I'm a good person. You, you may be a good person, but you have sin, you do sin, and sin is in you through original sin. And because of that, um, the, the law shows that to you. The law tells you that. The law shows you then how to live. And the Lord has died for your sins both your original sin and the sins that you commit every day. And because he has died for those, you have the promise of everlasting life. You have the reassurance that your sins are, are taken care of and covered. And so when the devil comes after you and says, "You are you really that good of a person? You can say, no, I'm not. I am a sinner. That's what the law says to me. But I have a savior who died for me. I have a savior who, who claims me as his own through the waters of holy baptism. I have a savior who's calling me back to be with him in heaven forever and ever. And the devil has no more and can no more accuse you for your sins. Pastor Matt Wheatfelt serves as Director of Admissions and the Director of the Christ Academy Program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, helping us today with Jeremiah 21, verse 11 through chapter 22, verse 10. Pastor Wheatfelt, thanks for being our guest today. Thanks, Pastor Oppel. Great joy being with you. Blessings on the rest of your summer. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. If you have any questions about Jeremiah or comments on the series, please send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org or download the new app and use the open mic feature to send up to a 60-second message to us. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.